Is Ty Montgomery a wide receiver or a running back? It really depends on how the Packers want to invest their time into developing him. We'll examine this issue with Sam Monson of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Bird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football. We're getting ready for a game against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. Before we get to that, and before we get to news of Jared Aberderis, that's coming up. First, we have an interview with Sam Monson of ProFootballFocus.com. I was glad to have him join me for a pre-recorded interview. Uh, But the reason I was excited to have him join me is way back in 2015, before the Packers even drafted Ty Montgomery, Sam Monson was a thought leader on the Packers' weapon. You know, I had seen a lot of people say Randall, uh, Ty Montgomery was could be a lot like Randall Cobb, a, a dual threat kind of guy. That that wasn't uncommon. Sam Monson took it another step and said, Ty Montgomery, he's a running back. This being before the NFL draft, he's one of the few people I saw go to that extent that early on Ty Montgomery. Really revealing interview. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Listen in. Right now on Railbird Central, we welcome in Sam Monson of ProFootballFocus.com. Sam, we've had Nathan Yonke, Steve Palazzolo, and Mike Renner, all of Pro Football Focus on the show. Now we're glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Uh, esteemed, esteemed company I'm joining. <laughs> yes. Now the reason I wanted to invite you is that you were way ahead of the curve on Ty Montgomery playing the running back position And if you would just indulge me for a moment, here's what you wrote prior to the 2015 NFL draft. Quote, Ty Montgomery is a poor receiver. You don't want him playing wide out for your team. His hands are poor, featuring some extremely ugly drops over the year. His routes are labored, and he doesn't seem comfortable with what he is doing at all. So what is there to work with? I think he's a running back and a pretty good one masquerading as a wide receiver, end quote. So, so Sam, you give some of your justification in that excerpt, but how much more of it has to do with his body size, height, weight, body build, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it. When you, I did, when we started doing the college grading at PFF back in 2014, um, I was doing a lot of the Pac-12 games. I think I did if not all of Stanford's games that season, then almost all of them. So I saw a lot of Ty Montgomery that year. And you had a guy that was clearly an athletic specimen. He was he was a playmaker for them. He was one of their threats to score pretty much any time he touched the ball. But 
they really didn't know what to do with him. Um, but from just looking at the guy, he looked like a running back. I mean, he was built like a running back. He was a big, stocky guy. He's like six foot, 220, something like that. And, he, you know, he was natural carrying the ball. But they were kind of doing the usual things you do when you don't quite know what to do with a player that you have that you want to get the ball to. And you're just trying to manufacture touches. So you have them lining up at receiver and you throw them a bunch of bubble screens and you have them returning kicks and punts and you have them running the ball and you have them doing the kind of wildcat runs where he, he's the, the quarterback and you direct snap it to them. So they were kind of running the, the book in terms of all the ways that you manufacture touches for a player like that. But I, I don't know whether it was a case of he didn't want to play running back or what it was, but he just always looked to me like a natural running back that for whatever reason wasn't being played in that role. And this was, it wasn't like it was Christian McCaffrey was keeping him out of that job. You know, this was kind of before McCaffrey took off and he was really only getting a couple of snaps here and there himself. They didn't have a guy that should have been keeping Montgomery out of the running back position if that's what they were going for. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the way along, he just looked to me like a guy that was a running back just wasn't really playing there yet. Okay, so in a more recent article published last week, you acknowledged Montgomery's development as a receiver in the NFL. So my question is, where do you think his future is? Maybe not this upcoming Sunday, but, you know, a year or two or three down the road. Well, I think there's almost two different questions there. There's there's what I would do with him, and I would definitely make him a running back now. And then there's what the Packers will do with him. And that, I think, is a bigger question mark. And I don't know if they're going to go with the idea that he's he's a true running back and give him a shot to do that now, or if they're going to move him back to slot receiver and, and try and kind of do more what Stanford were doing and make him more a guy that you just want to get the ball somehow. And you'll start manufacturing touches and maybe he'll see some carries and he'll see some, um, you know, screen passes and he'll just become more of a feature in the offense. But he'll still essentially be a slot receiver. I think he should be a running back now. And I think the interesting thing is part of the deal with him being just a kind of offensive weapon in Stanford is that he probably ne never really got specific positional coaching at any one thing. You know, he was lined up all over that offense and he was kind of just told to do what you know or just given the license to to run on instinct and to make plays on instinct obviously the Packers drafted him as a wide receiver and set to work teaching him how to be a wide receiver and you've seen a huge improvement in his game because they've done that you know you've he doesn't he looks like he knows what he's doing at wide receiver now it's not it's not the most natural thing in the world but when you when he was a prospect coming out you'd watch some of his routes and it looked like he was counting his steps. You know, I mean, that's that's the kind of level of um, basic fundamentals he was missing coming out is that he really just didn't look like he knew how to do all this stuff. Now it does. Now it looks like he can actually play slot receiver. Um, but I think that that's actually a reason to move him back to running back if it was me, because you can move him to running back where I think he's a more natural player. He's a tough physical guy that is built for the position and is a natural runner with the ball in his hands. But now he's a guy that can play receiver as well. So you suddenly, you get a guy who isn't just better playing running back, but he becomes this matchup problem for a defense to contend with in the way that um, Aaron Hernandez was for the, the new England Patriots before, you know, he got jailed for murder. 
But um, Hernandez was a, a different kind of offensive uh, weapon because a guy like Rob Gronkowski is really difficult to match up with because he can both block and he can catch. So if you treat him as a, a tight end like he is, he's way too athletic for linebackers to cover. But you can't really treat him as a receiver and put a defensive back on him because he will just destroy that guy in the run game. Now, Aaron Hernandez gave you the same kind of problem, but it wasn't because he was a good blocker in the run game. It was because he could actually run the ball. So if you treated him as a wide receiver, they would just put him in the backfield and suddenly he's, he's the guy carrying and you're still a man down in the run game. Montgomery, I think, can do the same kind of thing where if you treat him as a wide receiver, he becomes the running back and suddenly you're a man down in, 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 the, in the run game. You're, you're getting out-muscled by a, a legitimate blocker. But if you treat him as a running back, they can motion him out and let him line up as a slot receiver or as a true wideout. And again, you're in problems because you you either cover him with a linebacker or a safety, and no matter almost no matter what you do, you have the wrong guy on him. So he becomes this issue with you. You're forced to make a decision on how you treat him before the uh, before the huddle. You have to, from a personnel standpoint, you almost have to decide what you're going to do with him when he comes out onto the field, and he has the ability to make you wrong no matter which way you go with that. All right, so all this being said, the, the Packers' offense this season seems to be average to below average, at least thus far through the season. Can Montgomery be the key to a more dangerous offense for Green Bay in 2016? I think because of all the stuff we just said, he absolutely can. You know, He can become a guy that gives you a matchup advantage. So you can use him to target specific weaknesses in the defense. If you have a team that says right, we're treating Ty Montgomery as a running back all game, you're going to have that guy manned up against a linebacker more often than not. So you can start to motion him out of the backfield and get really favorable matchups against that linebacker. And he could be targeted you know, 15 times in the course of a game picking on guys that aren't fit to cover him. And then the reverse is true. You know, If you have a team that says, well, this guy is a dangerous receiver, he can motion out of the backfield, we have to treat him like a wide receiver – we're going to keep an extra defensive back on the field all day. Suddenly you can start to run the ball against lighter defensive fronts because you're only having to block a safety or an extra cornerback instead of a linebacker in the box. So if you want to lean on that, I think he can absolutely give you a big boost to an offense that it needs some kind of spark. And I think that could be exactly the kind of spark um, gives them a cutting edge back that they've been missing with the rest of the offense. Okay, so how do you think this you know, trade to acquire Niall Davis, a rare in-season trade in the NFL. And, and the recently signed rookie, Don Jackson, how will those guys impact Montgomery's role, do you think? I, I think that's going to come down. They shouldn't really, but it's going to come down to what the Packers think about Montgomery. If they do see him as a potential running back now going forward, Niall Davis and Don Jackson shouldn't prevent them from doing that. You know, those guys are guys that you sign midseason as cover because you suddenly had an injury crisis and you need to do something because, I mean, let's face it, they're, in their eyes, they're moving a wide receiver into the backfield and that's going to be their primary running back. So in theory, if that was a total disaster, you're going to want a backup plan for the next week. And I think that's what those two guys were. But when you consider that what you're actually doing is moving a natural running back back into the backfield to become a running back, now you can actually run with that going forward. That can be your solution. That can be plan A that works. There's no real reason to go to plan B. So 
you know, as long as they have an injury crisis, those guys can serve as a backup and get some snaps and spell Montgomery. But if it was me, I don't see any reason those guys should actually impact his potential at the position. Mm-hmm. Oh, one last thought here on Montgomery. Why do you think you were in the minority minority about his future as a wide receiver coming out of college? Because I mean, those those were strong words that you wrote. That you weren't hedging at all. I mean, you you said from the get go, even before he played down in the NFL, he should be a full time running back. Yeah, I, <laughs> Gordon actually, Gordon McGinnis, uh, one of the PFF guys, dug up that article after the or during the the. The week um the the game for at chicago and tweeted it out and it was the first time i'd read it since it went up initially and i read it back to myself and <laughs> it was kind of ooh. i mean i really wasn't <laughs> really wasn't pulling punches when it came to his work as a receiver um I, I guess it was a case of he was being lined up at receiver a lot um and they were trying to get him the ball be it on bubble screens or on deep passes and it just didn't look like it was working it was the kind of thing that could have success against bad defensive backs in college but he needed so much work to get from that point to a point where you could become a legitimate nfl wide receiver um at a body shape that didn't really seem like it made any sense you know especially when his hands were bad in college i mean he dropped a lot of ugly passes and he's fixed that so far in the nfl i don't know whether it's a case of now that he actually feels comfortable with what he's doing as a receiver, suddenly he's not thinking about everything else he's got to do and he's able to just catch naturally. Um, but it looked like a guy that didn't look comfortable with what he was doing, couldn't catch the ball particularly well. There just wasn't any upside to playing him at wide receiver. But he was a big, strong guy that could run the football. So I don't know. It just seemed like it seemed like an obvious thing to me. But maybe everyone else was just looking at the fact that this is a guy that's played more often at wide receiver than he has at running back. That's what he's being projected as by most NFL people. That's what we're going to evaluate him as. All right. So to get to move on from Ty Montgomery a little bit with the Packers matchup this Sunday against the Falcons, you know, while I have you, I can't help but ask your thoughts on the matchup between Julio Jones and then the Packers cornerbacks that are potentially without a trio of injured players, Sam Shields, Demarius Randall, Quint Rollins. How are the Packers going to handle that? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously a big problem. Um, they don't have anybody that can match up with Julio Jones one-on-one, but then the good news is neither does pretty much anybody else in the National Football <laughs> League at the moment. Um, Julio Jones is just, I mean, he's an unstoppable force one-on-one. He's a guy that can go and dominate any cornerback that goes up against him, so you kind of have to take him away schematically yeah you have to try and put two guys on him bracket coverage and put safeties over the top make it tough for them to actually put the ball on julio jones you know make them actually force it into tight windows if they're going to do that and atlanta have shown this season that if you are prepared to go out of your way to take away julio jones they will go elsewhere with the ball you know they're not going to force it to him 15 times a game even if you're trying to lock the guy down with double coverage and that kind of thing. So if the Packers want to take away Jones, I think they can do it even with a, an extremely depleted secondary. It's just probably going to cost them in other areas. And you have to weigh up that balance of how much extra attention can you give to Jones without completely torpedoing the rest of your defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we let you go, can, can we get a prediction on the game? I think I'm the one guy in the PFF 
pickums that's actually going Green Bay at the moment. I just I I can't get past the the sort of built-in confidence I have in Aaron Rodgers. No matter how many or no matter how consistently he plays beneath those expectations this season, I'm still waiting for him to just turn it on with that one big game that we know he's capable of. Um, and I'm probably guilty of overplaying that, but I'm uh, once again on a, on an island with Green Bay this week. All right. Well, uh, Packers fans will be happy about that. Maybe maybe sad to hear you're in the minority among your <laughs> colleagues there at Pro Football Focus, but we'll take it. Sam, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us. Greatly appreciate it. We'd love to have you back sometime. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks to Sam Monson of ProFootballFocus.com for joining us, and thanks to you, the listener, for joining us as well as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. All right, so after all that talk about Ty Montgomery, the Packers on Thursday parted ways with wide receiver Jared Abraderis. We actually knew they placed him on injured reserve earlier in the week, but now they released him with an injury settlement making him subject to waivers. So we'll know by the end of the day on Friday if anyone claims him. But really, it's not that the Packers don't wish Aberderis well. I'm sure they do. And I think most fans were rooting for this Wisconsin-born player. But really, the Packers are declining to invest any more time into an injury-prone player. Most recently, it was a quad injury that kept him out. He had a rib injury that kept him out in 2015 and had multiple concussions dating back to his college days. So it's unfortunate, but that can happen when you're less than 200 pounds in the NFL and you only put up four bench press reps at the NFL Combine. You know, I've always thought that Aberderis was behind the eight ball figuratively, And literally, if you consider Randall Cobb the eight ball, to me, they're a very similar type of wide receiver, same or similar size, suited to the slot, uh, similar speed. But as long as Randall Cobb was on the field, there was going to be very few opportunities for Abraderis, despite having a pretty good training camp with the Packers this past summer. In essence, I think... He was an insurance policy for Randall Cobb. You know, if if Cobb happened to be injured, then Aberderis would have seen a lot more playing time. But that never happened much in his time here. By releasing him now, the Packers are giving him a chance to latch on with a new team, and perhaps a change of environment is what he could use. So best of luck to Jared Aberderis. Uh, I wish it would have went down differently and he was a stud for the Green Bay Packers but it didn't turn out that way Um, but there's no reason he can't make a living elsewhere in the NFL so hopefully he does in other injury news linebacker Clay Matthews went from not practicing at all on Wednesday to practicing on a limited basis on Thursday with a hamstring issue that's been problematic this season. Matthews commented that he's hopeful he'll play this Sunday against the Falcons, and head coach Mike McCarthy commented that he didn't think it was as severe as earlier in the season when the injury kept Matthews from missing the Week 3 game against the Detroit Lions. So, 
the way I think it's going to play out here is I would expect Matthews to be a part-time player this Sunday as the Packers try to limit his snaps and keep him as healthy as possible and keep him fresh and all those kind of things. And, you know, it's all the more notable because there will be several times he'll be facing his cousin across the line of scrimmage, Jake Matthews, an offensive lineman for the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, that'll be a fun matchup. Hopefully, if Clay is healthy, we'll get to see a lot more of it. Uh, But in other injury news, TJ Lang was the opposite of Clay Matthews. He went through practice on a limited basis on Wednesday and then not at all on Thursday with a hip injury. Although, uh, that being said, I haven't heard any concerns that he'll miss Sunday's game. So it could just be a case of a veteran player getting a day of rest, which is certainly not unheard of. So until further notice, I'm operating under the notion that TJ Lang will be good to go for the Falcons game. Other than that, I would say there's been one more pleasant development and one more disappointing one on the injury front. First, the bad news, cornerback Quentin Rollins hasn't practiced this week, and they sure could use his services seeing how banged up they are at cornerback with, uh, you know, uh, Sam Shields and Demarius Randall them, I, I don't know if they have already been ruled out or Randall hasn't, but he will after undergoing surgery over last weekend, whenever it specifically took place. Um, so that that being said, there's there's still one more day of practice on Saturday, so maybe they might not rule Quentin Rollins out le- yet. Maybe he could return on Saturday and he'll play Sunday. We'll... We kind of wait and see on that front. But but the good news, though, is that rookie running back Don Jackson has practiced in full capacity all week long. Uh, so that's good news at a running back position that's lack of depth. Um, I know, I believe it was Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network who reported that there was no break uh, with Don Jackson when they... Finally, we're able to examine him, perhaps maybe after the swelling went down. Uh, we'll see what, how his hand is wrapped up, whether he'll need a cast or maybe just, just some sort of bandage there or support. Uh, I don't think he'll need a cast during the game, but uh, we'll see. Uh, and, and a couple guys, James Starks, Jared Cook, they remain out, but that was kind of expected. I don't think anybody... Really, maybe they hoped they would play against the Falcons, but I think the indications all along here was that they were at least going to miss this game, and hopefully they'll be back sooner or later, but maybe we'll have more on them a week from now. Um, and, and other minor news, the Green Bay Packers released practice squad cornerback Keith Baxter, which didn't last long. You have to think it was a case where they thought he didn't have what it takes to stick in the NFL considering he was around for all of two practices. Or perhaps they just felt that Herb Waters was a better prospect at cornerback who they've been developing after moving from wide receiver. Uh, But the Packers also signed offensive lineman Jacob Flores to the practice squad before this week began back on Wednesday. 
Uh, he's a familiar face. You might remember his name from training camp. He has uh, experience at center, so uh, he joins the, the team once again. And he was with them, you know, all the way from uh, after the NFL draft, the offseason program, training camp, preseason. So at least he's getting used to the Packers' schemes and systems by now, uh, even though he wasn't put on the practice squad immediately after training camp. So obviously they didn't feel that great about him to begin with, but... We'll give him a chance. Um, as far as a game prediction goes, Packers fans may not want to hear this, but I think the Falcons can outscore the Packers this upcoming Sunday. If this game was at Lambeau Field, I might make a different selection, but it's not. So I'm going 28-24 Falcons. And it's really about Julio Jones being the difference. He he may not have 200 yards again like he did last time against the Packers. But you know what? If he finds the end zone twice, that's pretty much equally dangerous uh, as putting up 200 yards. And if he were to do both, well, that could just break the Packers back. And even though I think the Packers offense is going to get better as the season progresses... I think it'll bog down a couple times in the Georgia Dome. Uh, I don't think the Packers running game with, you know, all their running backs, they're either too green, too new, or too new to the position uh, to, to be really, really effective. And I just don't think Aaron Rodgers, maybe he's not going to have that bad game, but I just think he's going to be kind of average this one on the road. And with the possibility to get better in a few weeks um, as the Packers offense gets more used to their personnel and what they have to do to win football games. But I just think, you know, there's there's going to be a series or two that's going to bog down in a critical time. And that's all it'll take with Julio Jones being the difference in this game. So, yeah, uh, it is what it is. I hope I'm wrong and we'll look forward to next week. But uh, we'll look forward to this. The day ahead. All right. As I mentioned earlier, NFL teams will have to wait until the end of business on Friday to put a claim on wide receiver Jared Abraderis. Whether or not they'll feel comfortable in doing so as long as he has a quad injury is another matter. Because even if they are interested in acquiring Abraderis, they could also do so at a later date when he's healthier. So by the end of the day, we'll know whether he clears waivers or not. But Friday is also the day the Packers release their game day injury projections. And as I alluded to earlier, I think the guys we're looking at that are most up in the air are Clay Matthews and Quentin Rollins. So sometime Friday afternoon, the Packers will, you know, give those designations either questionable, doubtful, or out. Head coach Mike McCarthy holds his final press conference at 9.35 a.m. Central Time on Friday. That'll be streamed live at Packers.com. Final press conference before Sunday's game, so we'll see what he has to say. But as far as the game goes, it'll take place at 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Sunday, broadcast on Fox with their number one crew, but it won't be Joe Buck calling the action because he's calling the World Series. So instead, it'll be Tom Brenneman teaming up with Troy Aikman in the booth and Aaron Andrews on the sideline. 
So looking forward to that. Enjoy the game, folks, on Sunday. And that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Have a happy Halloween uh, and uh, enjoy the game. on. Su- I guess it'll be Halloween on Monday. I'll talk to you again on Halloween. Uh, so, yeah, next episode, Monday morning, uh, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time, the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. My call to action, as always, as usual, if you've not done so already, um, uh, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. This show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So head to iTunes, search Cheesehead TV. It'll pop right up. Um, Give us a five-star rating and a brief little review. doesn't have to be anything long, but uh, that's all we ask. Uh, We think it's a service to Green Bay Packers fans, and by providing a review, it helps people find this show when they're Googling it, things like that, or you know, just searching on iTunes for Packers podcasts. So thanks a lot, folks, for doing that. Those of you that have and will break down this game on Monday. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiravu. I leave you today with a song called Break, Build, Burn by Lotus on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go, pack, go. Go.